Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The book of Isaiah is sometimes called the Old Testament Gospel, for in a very detailed manner, it prophesies the life and the works of Jesus. More detail than we have in, in the other Old Testament books. Now, a portion of Isaiah 52 and 53 speaks of Jesus as our suffering servant. It is written in Isaiah 53, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In tonight's Passion History, we heard the fulfillment of this prophecy. There is a plot to get our Lord complete with false witnesses, false charges, obviously malice and mockery and denial by one of his own, along with an unjust death sentence. Surely he was oppressed and he was afflicted, as the prophet Isaiah had said, and yet he opened not his mouth. In our Passion reading, a group of people are ready to kill our Lord Jesus Christ. And did you notice who that group of people is? It is the church authorities. Often people think that the enemies of the church always come from outside of the church, as if the only attacks to Christians can come from the Muslims or the atheists. But look at what happens from even within the church. Look at how ready people are who consider themselves of the household of faith, ready to blame God or reject his word, or come up with new doctrines and new teachings that suit this modern age, or mislead the masses, all doing so in the guise of Christ, and thinking that they are doing God a service. The Missouri Synod's heritage and history has been firmly grounded on the word of God. We have taken a strong stance against false teachings and false teachers, And the reason for this is very simple. It is easy for the church to be destroyed from within through false doctrine. Our our synod, though, has been weakened because of growing indifference. When our synod stopped being so clear on its doctrinal position, that's when the declines began. That's when our church body began to start shrinking. That's when the infighting also arose, and so did the politicking. In contrast to that, we hear the words of the psalmist, O blessed it is when brothers dwell in unity. The church leaders that were there on Monday, Thursday, operated under the veil of darkness. Throughout the night, they tried to get Jesus to make a mistake or say something that they could use to incriminate him. So they rounded up some false witnesses. But unfortunately for them, these witnesses could not even agree with one another. Some claimed that Jesus said, I shall destroy this temple made with hands, and after three days I shall build up another not made with hands. But even for them, their evidence did not agree, which is pretty typical for liars. The sinning against Jesus did not stop. They charged Jesus with blasphemy, but Jesus gave no answer. As it is written, he opened not his mouth. So then the high priest said, look here, Jesus, they are charging you. How do you defend yourself? You have to say something, so tell us, who are you? Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? 
And finally at this, Jesus does open his mouth. And when he does so, he does that which is his nature. He speaks the truth. He makes the good confession. He speaks bluntly. He speaks directly. He begins by saying, I am. You will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God's power and coming with the clouds of heaven. His words here, though short, are clear. He's not getting anything mixed up. But what he says, despite its brevity, is too much for them to handle. They feel now that they have the evidence that they need in order to charge him with death. They have determined that he is guilty of blasphemy by saying these words, and so they spit on him. They blindfold him. They strike him. Mock him. Prophesy to us, O Christ, who struck you. The temple guards beat him. Why the violent response? What did he say to elicit such rage? Well, his words that he spoke, they are words of Scripture. And he attributes to himself qualities of God. He, in this short two-sentence response, is quoting at least three passages of Scripture. The first thing that he does is he responds by saying, I am. These are the same words that God said he is when God visited Moses at the burning bush. Moses wanted to say, well, who do I say sent me? And God responded to Moses saying, I am who I am. Say this to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And now Jesus says those same words, I am. Are you, the, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? I am. Also, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man here. For he continues by saying, You will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God's power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So he quotes here, a portion of Daniel 7, or at least he references it. In Daniel 7, it says these words concerning the Christ. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so Jesus, by calling himself the Son of Man, is saying that he is this very person who has this very kingdom. And then finally, it is written in Psalm 110, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Remember, Jesus said, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God's power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Now Jesus is saying he is that Lord who is at the right hand of God the Father. And so in this short reply, Jesus references no less than three passages of scripture. Now this man who is arrested and hated by the church authorities stands before them claiming to be the Son of Man. That is, he is the Lord. 
He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Judge. He is the King. He is the Prophet who will reign to all eternity. This certainly would be blasphemy if it were not true. But what Jesus said is absolute truth. For he is God made flesh. Now since the rulers of the church didn't see it that way, they go crazy over these words of our Lord. They justify their abuse by saying, if you can really reign at the right hand of God, then protect yourself and prophesy to us. And while all of this is going on, Peter, the first of his disciples, utterly fails Jesus. Peter is given some marvelous opportunities that evening to confess Jesus as the Christ. And Peter was given some marvelous opportunities to identify himself as a disciple of Jesus, a follower of our Lord. But Peter does not do so. In fact, he denies Jesus three times, and each time he denies Jesus, he gets more violent. And in his last denial, he calls down curses and swears that he does not know Jesus. Such darkness all around, such sin, plenty of it. His disciples forsook him and fled. Some who were praising Jesus are now at his throat. The church leaders are out to get him. Peter is cursing and swearing that he does not know our Lord. You might wonder how much worse can it get? In our day, we often think that the very moment we're living in is the darkest of days. We often think that the world is going to hell in a handbasket as we witness all this iniquity, all this sin, the wars that are taking place, the division, even within the church, the hatred, the immorality, the strife. It is all around us. And what does Jesus do? As the Lamb of God, he carries all these burdens to the cross he takes it all as his own. In fact, he doesn't even shy away from it. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't downplay it. Instead, he bears the sins of the world in his very body. He bears your own sin, no matter how bad the load. So what is your sin? It's pretty safe to say that your sin against Jesus is just as enormous and as shocking as the sins that you heard in tonight's Passion Reading. In fact, you can add to the story. How many times have you failed to forgive as Christ has forgiven you? How many times have you failed to confess Christ when you had the opportunity? How many times have you done sins in secret, thinking that they're okay as long as you do not get caught? On top of the sins you know, you also commit daily sins which you, have, which you are unaware of. For that is how deep and dark your very sins are. Most people don't want to be told of their sin, though. They would rather deny their own sinfulness than admit it. But I'm here to tell you that the Lamb of God must carry all of your sin as his own, or else you will have to carry them yourself. And if you carry them yourself, when you die, you will be damned in your sin. So which way do you want it to be? Do you want to admit your sin freely and readily before God so that you can receive your Savior and be saved? Or would you rather deny your sin, downplay it, pretend it doesn't exist, do whatever it takes to just make it go away except to admit it to God? For if you do so, then you are not forgiven and you would be condemned. Which would you take? It should be obvious that we would go with the former. 
readily confessing our sins and receiving the forgiveness of all of them. Tonight's Passion reading ends with Judas. He is sorry for what he had done against Jesus. He goes back to the church leaders with whom he made the deal to betray Jesus. He wants to return the silver. He wants to make amends for that which he has done. And, and he's crying for help. He goes up to them and says, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. He admits his guilt. He doesn't hold it back. He doesn't make excuses. But then the pastoral care that he receives is horrendous. They tell him, what is that to us? You betrayed him. We didn't. It's your sin. You go and deal with it yourself. And plus, we can't take this money because it's the money of blood. As if they can wash their hands in innocence. So they did not direct Judas to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They did not direct Judas back to their Savior, which is what all faithful preaching does, is direct sinners to Jesus. So Judas dealt with it himself in the only way that he knew how, for he had been denied the gospel. He hanged himself. He died in despair. He died. This ought to show us how important it is to always be on guard for pure doctrine and also godly practice in the church because lives are literally at stake. Jesus died for Judas, but Judas did not receive the forgiveness of sins. Consider yourselves fortunate that God has sent you, has seen you in your plight, and has given you a messenger of the gospel. You don't have to wonder how God will deal with you on the last day. You don't have to wonder if you've done enough in order to make amends for your many sins, or if you've shed enough tears of sorrow to make up for all that you've done wrong. For instead, you have the gospel proclaimed to you. You receive the absolution. You receive the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You hear this word of truth Sunday after Sunday, and the law of God and the gospel of God are rightly divided and applied to you. Repentant, believing sinners are forgiven and are confident that they are going to heaven. But the unrepentant and the unbelievers remain soiled in their sin and are on the path leading to hell. Because God has rescued you from the clutches of Satan and has, and has added you to his very family through the waters of holy baptism, because these things are yours, you are blessed. For Jesus has truly taken all your sin away at the cross. He was numbered with the transgressors, and your sin is now covered in the blood of the Lamb. The Father now sees you as righteous and holy. Your sins are not counted against you. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how far this, your sin has been removed from you. As far as the east is from the west, so far God has removed your sin from you. For Jesus, the Lamb of God, has died for you, and he presents you to your Father in heaven as blameless. He will acquit you on the last day. He is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.